first of all, before I get to the Colsons, I'd like to introduce Brad Voss. He is now the Executive Minister for Made in the Streets, and he gets to fly everywhere and try to uh, encourage people to support this ministry. Uh, he's actually going to go upstairs and try to visit uh, and to get some, to know some other people. Uh, we kind of spread everybody out so that uh, we get the most exposure we possibly can. But Brad started with us in January and has been doing a fabulous job in promoting Made in the Streets and the ministry there. He also lives in the same town with Charles and Darlene, which has really helped uh, as they collaborate very closely together. I think one of the things that uh, I can honestly say about Charles and Darlene is they never planned to be involved in this ministry. It was not a vision of theirs. In fact, I would have to call it a, a vision that God put in their hearts and called them. In fact, it was other kids who had actually kind of lived on the streets that called them into this. Uh, but probably one of the greatest things that I can say about them is, is they listened to the voice of God and the movement of the Spirit. And therefore, we have this wonderful ministry. Uh, we have partnered with them Oh, since 2003, and uh, have been kind of the overseeing congregation, if you want to call it that. There's many congregations that are engaged and involved just as much as we are. Um, this is a very appropriate presentation for this class because we've been talking about justice, and one of the problems, or one of the things that you'll see is, is injustice and selfishness and thinking about the world just being mine is something that is prevalent worldwide. And I don't think there's probably another group of people that probably are on the bottom of oppression that you find in the situation with street children. Uh, I just read an article the other day that was talking about the fact that uh, a story about one of the policemen who encountered a street kid and <coughs> shot him and there were no repercussions at all. In fact, the businessmen actually sometimes pay the police to kill the kids because they get in the way of business. So uh, the work that they do is amazing. I'm going to let Charles and Darlene just get up here and share a very short time with what is going on right now, and then we're going to ask some questions from them and let them talk more about the issues of justice and mercy and and love that this ministry is able to serve these kids with. Well, I have to sit up here. Sit up here. I don't think even my feet will touch the floor now, Darlene. <laughs> Darlene <laughs> never do. Hers <laughs> never. <laughs> okay. Oh, this is perfect. Wow, thank you for letting us come to your class. Um, we watched uh, uh, John Tyson's uh, short film um, on advancing the common good. And what a, what a great message about what Jesus did in those, I think you watched it last week, right? What a great message about what Jesus did during those days before Pentecost, uh, or before his ascension. Wonderful. Uh, the restoration of people. And, and we're about that, you know, to not just to restore uh, kids to what they had before, but to, to bring them something even greater than uh, uh, than any of us could ever dream about, that their lives can be renewed, transformed, and made into something very special in the world. And we're trying to create an army of evangelists out of Made in the Streets. 
people who will proclaim the name of Jesus and lead people to be closer to God uh, in their lives. Just because they get a job as a cook in a, in a university or in a, or in a restaurant, that's not the meaning of their lives. And that, that doesn't fulfill what we dream about. We dream about them being people who will draw other people close to Jesus. And so uh, what's going on right now? Um, well, tomorrow morning, there will be some, uh, some men and women uh, who will go out on the streets of Nairobi, in the alleyways of Nairobi, and they will, to encounter street kids. Uh, they do that every day. Uh, that's their life. And, uh, and they, as, as one of them wrote recently on Facebook, I felt fully alive today. I was at Taj Mahal base and I met a new kid. Um, and so it is, it is their deepest joy uh, to engage in this work. And uh, so they'll be out there on the streets. And also tomorrow morning, uh, Philip will be teaching math to kids out at Kamulu. And uh, Irene will be counseling some, some students who may have a problem or who've caused a problem, uh, as teenagers do sometimes. Um, and Francis will be uh, encouraging his team and, and leading them. Uh, he's a great leader. Uh, we're, we're so thrilled to have someone who lived on the streets as a teenager and who now is a really great leader of men and women. And so uh, they'll, be, they'll be doing their work tomorrow. Uh, that's what's going on, the, the constant, oh, oh, and also tomorrow, Jackton and Millie will be out in the city of Nairobi. They'll visit some place where one of the, one of the graduates works uh, they'll go to in, in the afternoon or evening to the home of one of the graduates to encourage them and to, to uh, en enable them to start a Bible study in their apartment or at their place of work uh, and to find out if they have needs that need to be met because we want to stay with these kids that we get off the streets. We want to stay with them for the rest of their lives. Okay, darling, what's going on? Also in the chapel this morning, the chapel is different every day, but in chapel, uh, the kids do DBS, so Discovery Bible Study, so that every day they're preparing so that when they get out and they get a job and they get an apartment, that they'll be inviting friends in and studying the Bible as well as being on the job. And uh, also, uh, Pepperdine is there right now. We depend on visitors. You bring, um, please just don't say, well, I'll just send the, the amount of my plane ticket to Maiden Streets. We need you. Uh, because what they're doing is they're taking a bunch of kids just off the street. Kids are still on it and taking them to a camp nearby where they'll just give the kids a week off glue, a week with other people, a week of fun, a week of uh, laughter, right? Like the morning thing that Ruby always talks about. Uh, and then also, um, well, I think the, the catering people will be preparing because for every visitor group, so you're invited, <laughs> Uh, there will be um, a British tea, a proper British tea that the catering people will put on with uh, all the manners that I could get off offline. Charles says I know too much about it now. But with all the manners, all the proper weight service, all the, uh, all the to-do that you would expect in a proper tea. And so that just gets them all the way. These are kids from the garbage, right? And they're going to be able to serve you just like you were. And they use the same recipes as the Savoy, Fairmont, and London. I mean, we just try to do everything, everything different. And so I want you to turn to your neighbor right now and say, good job, because you sent Brady and Wynn to us. So you were there in their person, and they represented you so well. If you're like them, you are awesome. So tell your neighbor. Tell your neighbor. Good, good job. job. Good job. Good job. Great and win.
Okay, a couple more things about what's going on. John Wambu uh, will uh, possibly be going up to the campsite where we're building a Christian camp up in the mountains about an hour away from Kamulu uh, to work on that. Uh, he's getting the land prepared. We're so, uh, you know, we, we have a new friend. We have a new best friend, okay? His name is Terry Bates, okay? <laughs> <laughs> because he is going to provide some expertise that will enable us to uh, build a really, really nice camp up there in the mountains. And so we're, we appreciate him a lot, uh, as well as his son. Uh, uh, and so John will be going up there and getting getting it ready. Uh, it's a it's we've got we have a wall up. It's a 210 feet by 110 feet. We have to have a 12 foot wall because, well, there were lions up there recently. There's a leopard up there that jumps around, uh, which uh, isn't going to serve the 12 foot walls. Well, any good, we don't. Uh, we we hope he doesn't decide to <laughs> uh, But uh, we have guards up there, and and the guards uh, they they protect our property. Uh, somewhat, uh, but they were inside the uh, inside the wall recently, and they had the gate open, and an antelope got in there, and they said meat, and so they butchered the antelope. And so these are Maasai. I mean, when they come to church and visit us, they wear the red blanket, right? So. Yeah, and so so they uh, they skinned the antelope, and they laid the skin out on the ground to dry, and they hung the carcass up in the tree that's inside the inside the walls, and then they decided they would go. You know, every, every, almost every Kenyan and, and Tanzanian has got to eat ugali uh, for, for their meals, this cornmeal mush kind of thing. And so they went up to get their pans to cook ugali, and they were going to have ugali and antelope. They were so excited about this, but they left the gate open. And while they were gone, maybe I shouldn't tell them this. Uh, yes, that's because we've only the gate open when you're there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or when I'm Se Several hyena came in and ate the antelope and carried off the skin. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> by, by the time they got back, there was nothing remaining of what they had. So, so we're going to shut the gate. Um, oh, it's an exciting thing to be building that camp because we're going to be able to take street kids up there and give them a new life. And we'll feed them the leopard. They don't, they don't act right. Um, but, uh, and, and there's a, well, I won't tell you about the rest of the things that are up there. But it's going to be an exciting thing because next year, Steve and some other people are going to come and they're going to stay up there at that camp and for a while. And we're going to do something special for some street kids while, while, while maybe some of you are there. The other exciting thing going on is that we have a partnership with some people in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. Ethiopia is as poor as Kenya is, so we have a lot of street kids, especially a lot of boys out on the street. And so we've partnered with them. We're supplying some funding for them that, that we've raised to help them. Uh, we're training. We've already trained some young people from, uh, uh, young adults from Addis to do street ministry, and we're going to be doing some more training of them and uh, helping them along the way to have their street ministry. And they're just at the beginning of it now. They have four young people going out on the streets uh, to work with street kids. They're, pretty soon they're going to rent a piece of property and they'll have a, a place for street kids to come in. We're excited to be partners with them. So remember the name Alam. This is their last name, Dereje and Mindy, but Alam. It's spelled A-L-E-M-E. -E. Be in prayer for the Alams and their two little boys as they engage in leadership of this, uh, this ministry. Um, they're great people, and they'll, they'll do a wonderful job. We're proud to be partners with them. Okay, that's what's happening. Charles, if you would uh, kind of just paint us a picture of why there are so many street kids, what are the 
underlying problems that drive them to the streets and kind of give us a picture of how many kids there are on the streets and and then if you could just kind of take us through the initiation of, of finding the kids moving them to the camp and then the process that you can do as far as restoration and redemption okay um, let me talk about the situation in the Darlene and talk about what we try to do um, the United Nations says there are about 300,000 street kids in Nairobi, but they mean uh, everybody who doesn't go to school, the ones who can't afford to buy the shoes and the, and the uniform and all that to, for their kids to go to school. Uh, the provincial commissioner uh, of, of Nairobi a few years ago said there's between 60,000 and 70,000 kids sleeping on the streets. That's our audience. Uh, that's, our, that's the people we look for that we want to serve and love. Uh, the ones who are actually sleeping on the streets who never go home um, or if they ever do go home it's because they found something good and they want to take it back to little brother or sister who's managing still to stay with a relative somewhere um, uh, so there's lots of kids out there uh, and, and the kind of center of the, of the street kids traditionally has been the Eastley uh, suburb of Nairobi because it's right beside the huge Mathari slums now Kibera slum has now overtaken it in population but, it's, but there's still an enormous number of street kids produced out of the Mathari slum. Uh, you just can hardly imagine the condition, unless you walk down those narrow little walkways and step past the water that's from the sewage that's streaming down the hillside uh, into the river below. Uh, unless you go through that, it's really, it's really hard to imagine it. Um, and, uh, or, and even worse is going out in the alleyways of Eastleigh where the street kids are sleeping because the garbage is piled there. They like a lot of garbage around because then nobody will come and bother them. Uh, the police won't come back in some of those areas where they are. Um, so um, it's, the conditions are really, really bad. Um, it's not that they're starving. It's not, it's not huge malnutrition because there's garbage and they're willing to eat the garbage. And so, uh, and so they're, they're not dying of hunger, uh, but they're dying inside because no one wants them. Uh, because they, for some reason or other, they were not wanted by the family. There's alcoholism in the family. There's that deep poverty that causes people to be angry and hurt their kids. And so the kids, uh, you know, a, a little boy gets to be about eight years old, and he says, you know, my friends out on the streets have a better life than this, and he's able to make a decision. And so he goes out on the streets. He thinks it'll be better out there than it is at home where his mom yells and he gets hit now and then, and maybe a lot. Uh, and so and so he goes out and he sleeps on the streets and he eats garbage and he hunts for stuff that he can sell to recyclers and make a little bit of money and then he starts using glue and, and he gets you know it's not a real addiction a total addiction but it's it's being hooked on it it's because you don't feel so hungry and you don't feel so cold uh, it's not that it's cold in Nairobi it's just they think it is Isn't that the way life is you think it's cold wherever you happen to be um, uh, and so they they feel a little better when it's like that and so then our team comes out there and they come into that alleyway and they say hello we're from Maiden Streets my name is Jeff Zoom Zoom is his name that's a great name isn't it uh, and, and uh, Monica says uh, I want to be your friend you know would you like to change your life because I can talk about can I talk to you about Jesus a little bit uh, and so they bring the story the story that brings life to people the story that captures people's hearts and, and they tell that story, the stories that Jesus told. And, and pretty soon they become their friends, and then comes what we do with them. 
no, just about the situation. We could bring you pictures or videos, but they don't have the scratch and sniff feature. So the best thing for you is to talk to people who've been there. And it's wind. I think wind was coming. Talk to Wynn, and when Brady comes back, talk to Brady, because that's that's your closest uh, until you go. Uh, but if you're on the streets, then then you hear our, our team come, and they're constantly there, and you know where to find them. Uh, and they're even at night, which is, we don't want them to be there, but then they break our rules. They, um, so they're available, and they're asking you, do you want the change? So in order for you to come out and be a Kamulu, you have to show us some, something, something you're doing that shows you're, you're putting something out willing to change. And we want you to do two things, partner with God and partner with us. And uh, partner with God, well, he's got it, right? He's got your future. Partner with us, and we've got a track record. We're good at this. We can help you learn life skills, and <clears throat> we can help you get education, which you haven't had. We can give you um, just exposure to so much new stuff, help you wonder about things again, and help you get a skill, and help you have confidence, be confident talking to other people, uh, and then going out to a job, and we're with you. We, we've got a network of other graduates. We're, we're there to help you get the job, keep the job, um, recover when you've lost that job because of bad behavior. <laughs> uh, we have counselors. Uh, all that. We have counselors like Lynn who come and help us work on what skills do they have to survive the streets. See, we get kids who are like 12, 13. Those are the survivors. We don't get the others. But for these kids, what skills did they have that helped them survive the streets? And then, what skills did they manage to pull together that helped them adjust to education, people around you, changing, being a different person, saying I'm sorry, uh, conflict resolution, all that. And then, what skills that, that are you learning for your job, that new mindset, you've never seen somebody have a job. Uh, so how do you get those skills? And then you're going to need more when you leave our bubble and go out to the world, but you're not alone because we've got somebody who will go with you and stay with you to get that first apartment. The stipend is great, you know, first month, a bit less, a bit less, because, hey, if you don't have a job by three months, you need to be asking a neighbor, uh, could I wash your clothes? I mean, do something, right? <laughs> but after about six months, then Joel's no longer right there for you. But Jackson and Millie are there for you from now on. Because they're the ones that keep that network of graduates together. They're the ones that provide a place on Sunday afternoon <clears throat> where you can worship or other times. They'll meet you at a mall. They'll They'll come pop in and say, hi, so how's it going today at work? And they will talk to your boss. Um, we've got all that for them, but it only works if they partner with God. And I think that's on the streets. That's the first thing we have to tell kids is that if you partner with God, 
you could get off the streets. Maiden Street is, we're not the answer. We're just part of it. If, if some reason you can't come out to Kamulu with our literacy and all that, you can still get off the streets if you partner with God. Now that's hard to say because these kids are hungry, desperate. So you've got to believe that it's not just Maiden Street, right? With God they can do anything. But we're the hands of God in that one situation. Those are the three things we do. Thank you all for being with us. Yeah, this is on. Okay. Um, as you know, we've, uh, as you watched one of the videos, we've been doing kind of a hot topics class. We've been having a guest speaker by video, but you all are here today. We've been guest speakers live, so that's really thankful you're here. Um, and so I want to ask a few questions of you that sort of ties in with the material that we've been covering uh, in this first half of the summer. Um, I think you all bring a wisdom and an international perspective on these things. We've been talking a lot about about the American experience with these things and the church, American church's experience. So we're eager to hear from you and just bounce these off of you. And if, if, uh, if I ask one that just, you have nothing to say about it, we can move on to the next one. And please, audience, ask your own questions too. So the first week in here, we heard from a speaker who talked about the transformative power of gratitude. Um, and she talked about how she was in deep despair and it was the daily discipline of finding at least three things she was thankful for uh, that brought her out of that despair. So I was going to ask if, if you all um, see the power of gratitude in the in the Maiden Streets ministry. Um, how do you teach that discipline, and, and, and does it work? Well, I'd like to say that the kids on the streets and the kids that we, we bring out to Maiden Streets, they say thank you. Now, no one taught them that. No one, when they were three years old, what did you say? They didn't have that, so. Yeah, Jerry, Kenyans don't say thank you. What, right. You know, you think waiters at the restaurant, right, sometimes? They never do that. <coughs> Interesting. Maybe trouble brings gratitude when there's something good. I think have a different take on that. Idea. Yeah, no, that's great. And that's, I think we wondered out loud in this class, is ingratitude a uniquely sort of um, Western developed world problem? Is, in, is ingratitude that, that problem? Uh, so, thank you. Uh, we've talked in here the last few weeks, not last week, but we spent a few weeks on oppression, and especially oppression along racial lines, and the problem that that still is in America. And, and even though we've come a ways, we've got a long ways to go. We even talked about implicit racial bias, how um, well-meaning folks like ourselves may not even realize we still draw distinctions even subconsciously along racial lines. So um, obviously you all have referenced a lot of oppression that, that's in place there. Um, is it along racial lines in, in Kenya? Okay. Here in America, we've got, uh, we have Native Americans and African Americans and European Americans. We have some others. Well, now we have a lot of Asians. We really have a lot of different background people in the U.S. now, don't we? And so we, we really have had to learn some new lessons about how you talk, um, how you reference people, uh, how you deal with them, what, what tone of voice you use, all those kind of things uh, America's having to learn. 
Um, in Kenya, there have been 42 tribes or 45 tribes for a long time. And lots of those tribes don't like one another. And they fight over water, and they, and they used to fight over, uh, I guess the men used to fight over women, and they, and they fought over beads from, uh, from Asia, and, um, and they, well, fight, fight over land, and they just fight because they're different from one another. Uh, so there's lots of old animosity <coughs> in Kenya. Uh, and voting is often along tribal lines. Uh, the Kikuyu are the most populous tribe in Kenya, and the first president was Kikuyu, and the second president was not, but he had been the vice president. The third president was Kikuyu. Now we're on our fourth president, and he's Kikuyu, okay? And, and he's going to be president after August 8 again, probably. Um, so there's a book called My Turn to Eat. <laughs> My Turn to Eat, yeah. The At the book. table. And so uh, uh, there's, yes, there's tribalism there, and, and there's a lot of concern about tribalism. However, it can be overcome. Um, we have a, a computer teacher named Moses who's been here, right? Some of you met him at the fundraiser. Uh, Moses is a Luo, okay? That's the second most populous tribe in Kenya. Well, okay, he's teaching computers, and we've got a student named CJ, and CJ is a Kikuyu kid. And the Luos and the Kikuyus, they've been, they've been in conflict in recent elections in Kenya, and, uh, and so there's, there's, and there's old standing conflicts there. Well, uh, CJ loved computers. I mean, from day one, he loved it, and he learned, he learned so much more than most of the other students. So one day, Moses said to him, I have to go buy some monitors at the Ibrahim Electronics. Now, Ibrahim's an Indian who's been, you know, third or fourth generation in Kenya. And, uh, and so, uh, CJ, come with me. So they went over to this shop, and, and Moses gets to talking to, to Mr. Ibrahim about, uh, about Made in the Streets and what we do and all that. And, and then all of a sudden, Mr. Ibrahim stops him, and he says, you, you're a Luo, aren't you? And Moses said, yeah. And he said, but CJ, he's a Kikuyu, isn't he? And Moses said, yes. And he just marveled. He just marveled that this Luo teacher brings this Kikuyu kid in to his shop, uh, you know, teaching him and working together with him. He just marveled at it. And so he said to CJ, he said, are you interested in a job? And CJ looked at Moses to see if he was. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then he said, and then he said, well, yes. And so, so then, then the guy told Moses, you go over there and look at some of that stuff. Let me have CJ a minute. And he got down in a box, a new computer that had never been used, had never been set up, and he put it on the table, and he said to CJ, set that computer up for me. And so CJ took it out of the box and set it up, and it worked. And so uh, then, then he, uh, he said to CJ, you want a job? And CJ said, well, uh, you know, he got Moses back over there. <laughs> and he said, well, yes. And he said, you want to start today? And he said, well, okay. And so, so Moses left him there in the shop, and he went to work for him. And Ibrahim loved him and helped him go on to school and learn graphics and some other stuff and networking and all. And, uh, but he, he marveled at this bringing together of people. That's one of the things we do. We don't care what background the street kids have. We don't care at all about what background they have. We just want, if they want to partner with God and with us, we want them. So that helps. Our, our team is a, is a mixed batch, too. We've got Kikuyu and Luo and Kamba and I don't know where. Meru. Meru. I, I don't know where all of them are from. But anyway, uh, we've made sure 
fact that we had a mix of team members uh, leading this group, and they love one another. It's a great thing. Do you all have ever have conflict along tribal lines in the program, and, and do, how do you deal with that if you do? Well, all the Luo kids, all the Luo boys, get pressured into being circumcised. Okay, <laughs> just because the Kikuyu circumcise and the Luo don't. <coughs> but if you're going to be around Kikuyu people, there's pressure on you. Okay, on the streets. Okay. And on the streets, it happens. Uh, and sometimes not so sanitarily out there. Um, but uh, uh, that's just one little thing that that happens. Uh, but I, I don't. I don't recall us having very much conflict inside, certainly not tribal. I mean, it isn't that we haven't had conflict. We've had team members angry with one another and, you know, not agreeing with one another about things, but I don't think it's ever been tribal. I think God has given us people who don't care about tribalism. In fact, there's been a lot of intermarriages now yes. within the team. Oh, yeah. Um, Irene is Luo and Robin is Kamba and they're married. And, um, Francis Francis, well, and uh, his wife is half-half. She's a mixed breed. <laughs> power, power woman, uh, and a great woman, Maureen is. Um, so, yeah, we have uh, intermarriage in our, in our tribe, and our team as well. In your tribe? Yeah. yeah <laughs> our tribe, our family. Has, um, has your time in Kenya, I mean, you're obviously Americans, but you've spent a, a lot of years away from America. Has your time away given you any different perspective than you maybe had before on oppression and race relations uh, in the U.S. that we could learn a lesson from? Yeah, just, just don't tell us, well, we have poor people here, or we have corruption here. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think living living with oppression, living with, like, I was working with the, the guards recently who are Maasai, and we were studying about Abraham, because they just want to learn English, right? So. We're talking about the story of Abraham. And I said, imagine, you know, God talks to you and asks you to move somewhere, and you go home and tell your wife, and you know, and they looked at me like, yeah. <laughs> I said, well, wouldn't she be, wouldn't, wouldn't she say something or like, how, how, why are we moving? And no, she's my wife. <laughs> if I go, she goes. <laughs> Discipline, the word discipline is uh, a man will discipline his wife, discipline his kids, teachers discipline students, and it's all physical. So I think we're probably the only school that we have found, Christian or otherwise, that don't physically discipline our kids. So see, it's all, I mean, that's probably a really big thing to our culture that these kids never get angry. Uh, then that's some other things we do that we think are awesome. Um, so again, we're just, that whole other oppression of men over women, um, girls out on the streets, it's not like you can say no, right? There's no, you are you are really low. If street, if street boys are at the bottom of the totem pole, street girls are further down. Um, just living with that is, but you know, in spite of all that, when you look at kids, our team grew up that way. They were beaten in family and in school. But they don't beat their wives, the guys don't. 
they don't beat their kids, they don't beat the students. Um, they say thank you. You know, all that. Because God can just transform someone, not to be like American ideals, but to be good, to not be oppressive. So it can happen. But only if you're there, I think. Well, I guess I guess if there's anything anything we want to do when we're in America. And you know, Darlene and I are now three months in, in the U.S. and three months in Kenya. We just keep rotating like that. And it was the Otter Creek Missions Committee that encouraged us to do that. So our team, our Kenyan team, would really run the ministry themselves and not depend on us for decision making and, and, and all that. Um, but I think, you know, um, I'm a counselor and I've, I've was trained way back a long time ago in counseling. Darlene always says about herself, she says, I am not a counselor. So if anybody brings a marriage problem to Darlene, she says, be kind. Okay? Be kind. <laughs> and I think every American should just be kind. Just be kind to everybody. Doesn't matter who they are, what they look like, or where they come from. Uh, kindness will change the world. It will transform the lives of people. And that's that's, I mean, it works in marriage, and it works in race relations. This kindness is a powerful antidote to hatred and bitterness and division. Amen. Uh, I think we have time for maybe one more question. Uh, I've got one, uh, but does anybody from the audience have anything they want? You've got the microphone. What's that? <laughs> I've got the microphone. Okay, we'll, we'll close on this one. We talked uh, in the context of race relations, but I think it applies to everything we talked about. We, we talked one week about blind spots and how, uh, as Christians, um, we all have to acknowledge the fact that we have blind spots. Um, and we talked about, that week we talked about white privilege in America as a blind spot, but there's tons of them. Um, and um, I'll say, but before the first time I ever heard you all talk to Otter Creek, and I don't know when that was, maybe in 2003, but... Um, the, the problem of street children anywhere in the world living in that kind of squalor was a complete blind spot to me. But um, are there other are there other blind spots either in America in American culture that maybe have been your eyes have been open to because of your work in Kenya, or internationally that you've been opened up to? And I, I just wanted to throw out the concept of blind spots. Okay, uh, well, we'll talk about our own experience when we moved to Kenya. Uh, I, I was I was to run a um, for at least four years. I was to run a computer electronics school there, uh, and uh, and we wanted. But together we wanted to. Our idea was that we would create an evangelistic youth group in that church in the slum. That's what we wanted to do: an evangelistic youth group. And it turned out we did because they evangelized street kids even. Uh, but we knew nothing about street kids. On our first visit to Kenya, we took a picture of a big garbage pile in Eastleigh that going down the street toward this computer school that, that we were at uh, and where the street ministry started. This big garbage pile because there was smoke coming up from it and you know stuff was burning. It just looked like a like desolation. It was only a few years later when we were doing street ministry that we drug out our, our, our original pictures from Kenya and we saw that on that stack of garbage there were two street kids, and they were standing there with bags in their hands, and they were going through that garbage, walking through the hot spots on, with their bare feet to find stuff that they could take and sell, and we didn't even see them. So it was a blind spot for us. We had no idea 
of what those kids were going through there in Eastleigh and in Mathari Valley un until, until they got in our face. We had no idea. Another blind spot we had, we started out working with boys on the streets and with young men. And so we, we worked with them for several years. And what we would say about girls on the street, we'd say, the girls are harder to work with. You know, anybody ask us about it? We'd say, the girls are harder to work with. Well, of course they were, because they were more beaten down than anybody else was, because they were treated worse than anybody else in the world. And so, but we didn't work with them because we thought, you know, we, we got enough work to do with the boys. So we were blind to the, to the terrible conditions the girls were in. So now, we've learned some things. So now, we've got, you know, on, on the streets, there's about 80-85% boys and maybe 15% girls out on the streets. Well, now we have about a 60-40 relationship out at Kamulu because we're really looking for girls. We want every girl to be redeemed. If she's willing to partner, boy, we want her. We want to make sure we get her because of the condition she's in. And if she's got a baby, there are people here that sponsor the woman and her baby, and it's an extra year because then it's harder for her when she gets out. Two things. Uh, one that I'd like to mention is, and you've had that opportunity. You met Francis and Moses here a few months back when they came. One of the things that I found that really makes a program in another country work is that you find people that are as passionate about it as the missionaries who have gone over there. And that's one of the things that has been so exciting to me about the work in Made in the Streets is you can go and meet 40 some odd workers there who are as passionate about that work and love street children as much as Charles and Darlene. And that's one of the reasons why we feel like it's our work to facilitate uh, that ministry. And that's why we send some of our best to go over there and do uh, ministry also. If you're interested in uh, finding out more, there's some cards like this back on that table. We'll have some more of those up at the missions uh, center up there that kind of just give you a synopsis of what Made in the Streets does. And there is a madeinthestreets.org website. So you can also go on that and take a look and find out a little bit more. And what I would encourage you to do on the bulletin that we send out every day, we kind of rotate through the team members and ask, they're in the prayer section. So when you see those names, think about them and pray over them. Uh, and then also you can go on the website and actually see their pictures and their positions and what they do. So it's, it's uh, wonderful tools that we're now having that allow us to become more personalized and me, maybe even more directed in our prayers. Um, and we really do want you to know Brad Voss too because he will meet with you and talk to you anytime and take your money <laughs> and your skills and put it to work for street kids. Charles, what's the tenure of the team members? I mean, that's important, I think, to see how long some of them have stayed with. Francis Movie has been with us since 1995, since the beginning. Actually, uh, was one of the starters of it. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. And uh, Jackton, 1997. Uh, Joel and Victor, 1999. Uh, Irene, Moses, uh, a whole bunch of others in 2006. Uh, we've, had a, we've added a few others in the last three years. We've got some fairly new ones. Uh, but uh, long term for many of them already. Huh? What about John? 
John Wambu? Yeah. He, he, was my, he was my property manager when I was at the computer college. <laughs> He's still with us. Forever. All right. Well, we're over time a little Thank bit. You. Thank you. Thank you. Good job.